Welcome to the HR Chat Show, one of the world's most downloaded and shared podcasts designed for HR pros, talent execs, tech enthusiasts, and business leaders. For hundreds more episodes and what's new in the world of work, subscribe to the show, follow us on social media, and visit hrgazette.com. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum, and uh, wow. What a guest I've got for you today. A very, very special guest. In this episode, we're going to hear from none other than Derek Evans, MBE, better known as TV celebrity, Mr. Motivator. Uh, A famous fitness instructor, Derek rose to fame in the early 1990s through appearances on the UK breakfast television show GMTV, where he performed live fitness sessions and offered tips and advice to viewers. I'm personally a huge fan of Derek, and it's an absolute honor to have him on the HR Chat Pod today. Derek, thank you so much for being here. Lovely to have you on the show. Bill, thank you. Thank you. That was a wonderful introduction. Did you say 80s or did you say 90s? I said definitely said 90, sir. I don't want to age you. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you what it is. When you go past a certain age, all of a sudden, right, the years roll into one and you start hearing things and you realize, listen, I've been on this earth now for 70 years and I'm still standing up tall and feeling proud and happy and it's good to be in your company. Well, you look better than me, that's for sure. Um, okay, so Derek, you, you, you are known for your positive personality and outlook. First question for you is, is how do you stay motivated? You, you know, it's, it, that's quite an interesting conversation. And in fact, over the past three years in particular, I've done so many interviews. You know, I was adding up the other day. I think I'm at about three and a half thousand interviews I've done. Everything from Chinese Global Network to Access Hollywood to a little radio station down in the West Country. And often you get asked that question, you know, which is how do you stay motivated or what motivator is Mr. Motivator? I'm in the best job in the world. I'm in a job where, number one, I'm getting job satisfaction because you will see someone who comes to you. Maybe they have a condition or maybe they want to get fitter and healthier. And you take them on this journey and they come out the other side feeling better about themselves. And the one thing I've learned over the years is that the physical side of life is important, but your mental side is even more important. Without that, you don't achieve. So what keeps me going is when I'm walking down the street and every moment someone's going, Hello, motivator. Or it's when I'm online and people are always sending messages. Where have you been? We've missed you. I grew up with you. And so I'm very blessed in that all the people who watch me as youngsters have now become the decision makers out there. And they give me all the work, which is why in this industry where most people die and go off to heaven, I'm still going 30 years later. Because you rock. That's why, Derek. Um, (laughs) Okay, so uh, quick insight into me. I have been for a job maybe twice in the last two and a half weeks that is not good enough okay and i can feel it affecting my mental health how i feel about myself can you talk a little bit about what that connection is between physical exercise and mental health yeah you know there, there is a connection in many ways i mean yes we all perhaps go i need to make a change i need to do something different i need to exercise i need to get fitter i need to get healthier but the wanting to is really important If you don't really want to do it, no matter how much you say I need to do it, nothing happens. And I think that's the same no matter what you're doing in life. If you want to achieve, you've got to want that job, right? We know we need it for the money. We need it for what it will bring. But you've got to want it. And when you want it, you walk into that room in a different frame of mind. 
you've already decided I'm going to get it no matter what. So therefore, you are really open. When you're walking, your hands are open. You're standing up tall. You're looking ahead. You're taking control of that room. All too often, we walk in and people have to extract out of us, right, what is really going on. When, in fact, what you should be doing is standing up and saying, listen, I'm here. This is who you've been looking for. I'm your man. And you don't actually have to say that in words just because of your peer positive mental attitude, right? You are actually transmitting that into the room when you walk in. And therefore, people see it, they feel it, and they go, I want to know more about this person. Right. So so the relationship when you're talking about fitness now for me is that I know that there were years of when I was really in a rough state. I was down at the bottom of the barrel when things were tough, when I was looking after my daughter on my own at age 23, when other youngsters that age were out there uh, partying and celebrating, I was actually having to learn to get up early morning, to get her ready, to take her to the childminder, look after her all day, and then at the end of the day, pick her up and bring her home and do all those. But what did it do to my mental state? It actually made me stronger because every time something goes wrong in our lives, there are wonderful lessons to be learned. And that makes you mentally stronger. And I say that the difference between school and life is a school. They teach you a lesson and give you a test. But what does life do? It gives you a test which teaches you a lesson. And if you if you take that lesson on and you develop a kind of positive frame of mind around everything, you realize that when something bad happens, it's not a bad life. It's only a bad moment. Right. And if you practice being happy, you practice being successful, practice who you want to be. Eventually, your mind gets trained. So therefore, nothing can knock you off, off, off your track, off where you're going. Thanks for tuning in to the HR Chat Podcast. If you're enjoying this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you could subscribe and leave a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. And now, back to the conversation. I love that. So if we're going to point at one moment, one person that, that set you on this journey then, would you say it's your daughter? Would you say it's being in that situation where you had to care for your daughter and that's created this mindset for you? Yeah, interesting you saying that because I thank her. I thank her often. I say, listen, because of you and where I am. Because most of us, what we do is we go, I wish I hadn't made that decision. I wish I hadn't gone down that direction. I, you know, I wish I had. I, it's a shame that relationship happened. Wrong. I say to everyone, the way you judge whether the decision is right in your life is based on where you are. And if you're not in prison, if you're not in jail, if your leg isn't broken, then every decision you made must have been the right decision because you're in a happy space. I feel good. I look in the mirror, I go, wow. If you're in that kind of space, then every single relationship that you had was just part of the building blocks that makes you who you are in the end. So I've never made a bad decision in my life because I'm standing here at age 70, 71 this month even healthier than I've ever been, right? I want to be a living example to everyone out there and say to them that as we get older and go over the hill, doesn't mean you go downhill. It should mean that you pick up speed. So I call myself part of the unyoung. The unyoung. I like that. I like that. Do you know what? Uh, someone who I listen to and I've got immense respect for is my dad. And uh, my dad always says to me, he says, he asks the question, he says, are your family healthy and are you making money? And uh, and, he, and I'll say, yeah, that, yeah, both of those things. And he'll say, okay, then life's not so bad. Everything else is just yeah. extras. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah, it is. And, and you see, all too often, you know, we, we forget to count our blessings. 
we're in a job, for example, that we don't particularly like. But if you made a list of all the advantages and all the blessings you have from that job that you don't particularly like, you'll start putting things into perspective. If only all you did was to say, at least I've got a job, when there are lots of people out there who don't, that is a blessing. It's an even greater blessing if it's a job you love, but the mere fact you have a job that's actually keeping you, keeping you in home, putting food in the table, right? Allowing you to clothe yourself, to actually treat yourself. You're in a blessed position. And so we must never forget to count our blessings, no matter how bad things get. And always remembering what I said earlier, it's only a bad moment in your life. It's not a bad life. In the fast-changing new world of work, organizations that want to succeed must support their teams to develop the right skills for today and for the future. As practical learning experts, Halt EF Corporate Education helps organizations and employees of all levels to develop the critical business skills, attitudes and behaviors they need to be successful. We combine the expertise and agility of a boutique learning partner with the resources of a trusted, global organization. Learn more at HaltEF.com. I like that a lot. Okay, so we are hopefully touch wood through the pan the, the pandemic now. Okay, yes. but it was a really very very dark time for a lot of people. Yeah. My family were hit particularly hard um, during during the pandemic. A, a lot of people got very depressed. They they got anxious. They got nervous. They didn't go out and exercise for different reasons. I, I'd like to think that we've come through that now, and, and people are getting back on, uh, going running, joining sports clubs, whatever it is. How, how can business leaders, Derek, make access to mental and physical wellness initiatives easier, in your opinion? Well, listen, when during the lockdown, that was I feel a bit guilty because that was the busiest time of my life. I I had so many requests from companies all over the world to do talks to get some exercise going, and what was it all about? It was about reminding people that they're important. It was about reminding people that, listen, if you take you out of the equation of life, so many people are going to be disappointed and miss you. And, and, and so therefore, it's important that you stay alive. And listen, you're significant. You're important to my business. And that verbal reassurance, right, to your working, to your staff, is a real important thing to do. No matter how much money you pay someone, there's nothing more richer than the words that you say. Because the words that you say are things that you can say in a public domain. You can say it in front of the office. You can go, stand up to, in front of all of them and say, listen, I appreciate you guys. I've never really ever stood in front of you all and tell you how much I value you. Yes, I pay you. And yes, you do your job. But guess what? I really appreciate you. Know, because without you, all of us here would be nowhere. right? So I think as leaders, we need to vocalize what we feel and we think. And as men, we need to also wear our hearts on our shoulders, on our, on our sleeves, right? Because ladies do it so easily because they will cry when they're sad, they cry when they're happy. Us men leave the crying. We never, ever cry, right? And so therefore showing your emotion in front of your staff, especially if you mean what you just said, right, is really important, right? And I think having those kind of... Um, targets and aims which are always financial it's also good that what you do is you say listen staff here's what i'm going to do for you all 
And I believe that day out could do your mental health a lot of good. I believe that meal where you all get together as a group can do you do you good. I believe that if we brought in some self-catering, they all comes into the office and we stop work at four o'clock in the afternoon and we have a little party every once a month is a great way of us all getting together socially, forgetting work and also start just getting to know one another because you really don't know the person you work with at all. You, they only show you the bits that they need to show you in a work environment. And every one of them could be fighting an internal battle that you know nothing about, even as a business leader. So therefore, if you give them the option to talk socially to their colleagues who they work with and to you and open up, it makes you more human. It makes them feel wanted. It makes them feel good. There we go, listeners. Derek has just put the human in human resources. Um, so on, on that note, actually, in, in terms of um, communication among men, I'm quite lucky to have various men in my life where um, I can have good conversations with and we practice things like being present um, yes. and and truth quicker is another term, you know, cu- cutting to it, uh, which is um, this, ma- this masculine idea, perhaps. Do, do you think that... Um, millennials and and gen zers our audience is mainly north american gen zers gen zers um do, do you think they're better at opening up and communicating than previous generations or is it nothing to do with that is it just that culture's changed yeah i think society has changed i think the doors have opened up a lot more so nowadays there is no stigma attached to you admitting that you suffer from depression or you're having to take medication so it's opened up and the conversation is a lot better and the conversation in relation to to women in the workplace is a lot better and where it should have been right but at the end of the day the one thing i know and i know from first-hand experience that sitting right beside you in front of you behind you could be someone who's suffering from depression and although we've said that we've just come through the pandemic and, uh, you know, we all got affected, people are being affected now even worse than during the pandemic. Because what happens is that the whole economy in the world is a mess. The uncertainty of work, of job, of being able to pay for your family tomorrow is actually rocky on rocky ground. And so, therefore, we are having to be far more circumspect about what we do and where we go. And I believe that what we should all be doing is creating a pillow So that way, if the job you're in falls flat, you've got something to fall back on. I think that kind of preparation is necessary for all of us. Number one, it will enrich us. But I think the kids nowadays, and let's just call them kids nowadays, they say beautiful teenagers are freaks of nature, but beautiful older people are works of art. Now, I say to you, right, that, you know, when it comes to us older people, we used to knock next door and ask for some sugar. We need to knock next door and say, how are you? If the kids were playing on the street, if I was playing on the street as a youngster, before I got home, if I made a mistake out there and did something wrong, my parents knew about it because the community looked after you. Nowadays, that doesn't exist. The community that these youngsters have is on the phone, and that isn't real, right? And so therefore, when it comes to socializing and understanding and feeling what we feel, they don't feel it in the same way, right? And so... But I mean, for example, as I said to you, the difference about life and school is that in this last year and a half, I learned the importance of crying. And I've always spoken about it, but it was only when I realized that I was being strong for everyone else around me, that I was refusing to cry. I was stifling away my tears to be the strong one. I had to be the male. I had to be the one who stood up tall, right, where nothing could break me down. Only then did my body start breaking down 
and stress really started affecting me and I got ill, did I realize what was wrong? And until I actually got my daughter, um, my youngest daughter and my wife in a room and I said to them, I think I know why I'm getting ill because I don't normally get ill. And they said, why? I said, because for the past six months, I've been stifling away tears. I've been internalizing all my emotions, right? And there and then I cried my eyes out. And the moment I did that, I felt so much better. It's like a cloud got lifted off me. And then I understood why my wife cries, at least a little thing, because we all need to, we all need to do that. And I think, you know, in our working environment, we need to give people the opportunity that if they want to privately cry, that they can go there and cry. Because when you lose someone dear to you, that is where your emotions are tested to the limit. And when you lose your granddaughter, who was only 12, you're all your, the system of the circle of life gets thrown into, it gets disturbed because what, you, what you're faced with is a situation where you as a grandparent should have gone, not your granddaughter goes at age 12, that's not how it is. So you can imagine that kind of emotion. And until you experience it, you don't know what it's like. But all I'm saying to anyone listening now is that what you need to do is wear your heart on your sleeve. If you feel like crying, don't stifle your tears. Cry. It doesn't make you a weaker person. It makes you a stronger person. And people look at you differently and they react to you differently because they say he's got a... I think bosses are the worst because bosses feel that they must always be uptight and you know, held up high and you can't break me down. Wrong. The moment you actually remove that layer, people respect you more. They feel that you have a heart. They feel that you care more. You know, this is a soapbox. I'm on it. Bill, I'm I, on it. Hey, listen, um, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Thank thank you for sharing that. Uh, and I'm, I'm so sorry for your loss. Thank you. Um, I, I, can't, I can't begin to understand what that must be like. Um, Derek, one thing that you said at the beginning of your answer there was around uh, being a go-getter, getting out there, putting yourself out there. Uh, we talk a lot on this show about the gig economy, about being entrepreneurial. Do you think that the best employees are those that have tried something? They've gone out there. They've tried, maybe they've failed, but you know what? They've tried to do something on their own before they've joined a big corporate organization. I believe that the employee who's given the chance to develop are the best employees because that way you see what their capabilities are. Because the world is made up of people who are, they sit down, they come up with ideas and they want to take that idea from zero to 20, right? And they will work away at it. That's a different breed of people. You need them. They're all part of the orchestra of life. But in life, you need the conductor. You need that man who stands up. He knows the tune and he knows when the woodwind section is off. He knows when, in fact, the percussion section's off. And so therefore he fine-tunes them by helping them. And he says to them, listen, if I send you away on this course for you to develop your skills further, you'll now become a better person in my industry. Uh, you over here, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to merge you with this person over here who knows better. So that way they can actually guide you and mentor you. I think that that is what we need to do with employees is to think of them as the orchestra in your company. And they've all got their part to play. And you as a conductor just know when things are slightly off tune. And if you're... If you're really being observant and if you're really caring and you use people correctly, right? Not use, use, but use them correctly within the role that 
guess what? You will get the maximum out of them. So who makes the better employee? I think the employee that's been given the chance, the opportunity to blossom and grow. And that way they feel loyal to you and they feel like they should be there, ready to support you through difficult times, through easy times, through best times, through flowers. That's what I think. Do you agree with me, Bill? I agree with everything that you say, Derek. Uh, not just because yeah, you, you talk a lot of sense, but also because I'm a massive fanboy, frankly. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I think in this conversation so far, we've already established that we are living in better times in terms of uh, being more uh, accepting, uh, more embracing. Um, and we talk a lot on this show about DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Now then, a uh, quick uh, story for our listeners. When applying to join the GMTV team yes. all those years back in the 90s, not the 80s, Derek, uh, you were told by GMTV boss Peter McHugh, uh, and this is a quote, we've, we've checked with the advertisers and they don't really want a black man doing fitness. It had to be a white woman with two kids. Yes. Uh, they felt that this was the right image, apparently. How do you think, Derek, that attitudes towards DEI in the entertainment industry specifically have changed since your time on GMTV? You know, I think... There's a number of us who spearheaded the rise of black people in, in television. Um, for me, when you tell me that and you say to me, I can't do something, that's a fuel that makes me want to prove, prove you wrong. And so therefore I was determined. Um, I think there's still a stereotypical way in which blacks are actually viewed, especially on British television. They either read in the news or they're comedian. I kind of strategically place myself where I wanted everybody, no matter what your culture, your race, your sexual orientation, that you would be accepting of the message from Mr. Motivator. So you didn't see my color first. And that's because I've gone from the days of the first job I went to when I walked in, the guy said to me, who are you? And I said, I'm Derek Evans. And he said to me, why didn't you tell me you were black? I said, because you didn't tell me you were white. Okay. Um, that's how what I've had to deal with, but I've never had a chip on my shoulder because as far as I'm concerned, you who don't like me today could be the very person who has to have my blood going through you when you need a blood transfusion. So it's a bit silly you having the attitude that you don't like someone because of their color race or whatever it is, all right? Um, so that's how I, that's my take on how it how how things are. Have they changed for the better? I think what's happened in places like in America is that they've collectively got together and carved out an industry. So the entertainment industry, the sporting uh, arena has been carved out. So now the opportunities for blacks to really kind of flourish is there. Um, in the UK, we don't really have a lot, lot of that kind of network. But what we do have is we do have some real go-getters out there who are really charting the way. But unfortunately, the only time you really see them is when they're being comedic or when they're actually reading the news. There are very few people who do what I do. Derek, I, I split my time between North America and the UK these days. I was full-time in Canada for about 10 years, okay? Um, I think that Canada is a wonderful example to the world of what you can do um, if everybody comes together and you don't care where somebody's from, what their background is, and all the rest of it. If if you're Canadian first, who cares? Okay, I love that. I'm very proudly Canadian as well as being British. I've noticed in the news in the UK recently that this word woke is starting to be used as a derogatory term. People are throwing woke as if, as if um, it's a bad thing. Mm -hmm. where, 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 do, where do you stand on this? Um, you know what? There's certain things and phrases that I kind of walk away from because I'm literally from the old school. 
and I'm from the school where we used to have interval training, where we used to have circuit training, and now they rename it and they go, let's call it HIT, let's call it um, um, plyometrics. So we can play around with whatever words we want and whatever names we want, but you have to look back and go, what is it? What is it we're trying to say? And there's a new language out there that the older person is expected to actually learn about. And I find myself, when I stand up to do presentations, or I find myself uh, in front of a class saying to them, you've walked into a place which is non-PC. I will never be rude to you. I will never be, I'll be naughty, and I'll be nice, and I, but I may not be politically correct when I say something. So please forgive me. Because that new language, I refuse to learn it because I came from a place where you said what you felt. You did what you wanted to do, right? There were no restrictions. We didn't have a word that governs it. I believe, in fact, in removing as many barriers as we can out there so that way people get accepted. And the more names we apply around things, I believe the more barriers it's we create. It's five o'clock. Did I come in right in the middle of the speaking? I'd, let me just say again. I believe <laughs> Yeah, the more words and the more names we create, I believe the more barriers that we put in place. So acceptance becomes much, much more difficult. Does that answer you what I'm getting at? I'm from it the does. Words. Absolutely. And uh, listeners, it sounds like it's five o'clock as we record this and Derek's probably got a job. So Derek, very, very quickly before you before you do job, um, I mean, you're Mr. Motivator. People people know you, but if they want to connect with you, if they, if they want to learn more about all the things that you're getting up to these days, what are the best ways to do that? Easiest way is that you just go on to mrmotivator.com. That's my website. If you want to follow me on TikTok, it's just Mr. Motivator. On Instagram, it's real Mr. Motivator. But you can find me because it's just all over the papers. It's all over the social media world. Amazing. Uh, I can't believe that I've been chatting to Mr. Motivator. Jeez. Uh, Derek, absolute honor. Thank you so much for this. Um, I'd love to get you on again in the future. But for now, thank you very much for being my guest. My pleasure being with you, Bill, and keep on doing what you're doing. Yeah, remember, it's a great life. Thanks for listening to the HR Chat Show. If you enjoyed this episode, why not subscribe and listen to some of the hundreds of episodes published by HR Gazette. And remember, for what's new in the world of work, subscribe to the show, follow us on social media, and visit hrgazette.com.